Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas, with Jonathan here. Jonathan, we have to take a break from our normal Sixers programming to talk about a NBA landscaping shifting trade. It has none other to be than Damian Lillard not going to Miami, but the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, this is this is crazy, right? I mean, the NBA has been silent. It has been relatively quiet for like two months. Mm-hmm. This was huge. This was huge today. Absolutely huge. They were talking about it prior, you know, a few days before saying, oh, it'll happen before uh, training camp. It definitely happened before training camp here. I'll let you go ahead and take away with the with the take here, bud. Yeah, I mean, I heard it was – I heard, I think, last Friday that it was heating up, obviously going to happen within the week. That was crazy. It did happen. So this is a three-team deal. And for the full details, here we go. The Bucks get Dame Willard. The Blazers get Drew Holiday, who they intend to trade, DeAndre Ayton, and Tamani Kamara, as well as a 2029 first-round Bucks pick and a Bucks pick swap. The Suns, for letting go of Ayton, received Yusuf Nurkic, center from the Blazers, Nasir Little, who is a quality contributor, Keon Johnson, and Grayson Allen. So this shifted a lot, a lot of moving pieces. Obviously, the headline, Damian Lillard to Milwaukee. So what was your initial reaction when you heard that? This was a good trade, and it came out of nowhere. Look, I'll talk about the grades for a second here, but I don't think there's a team that quote-unquote loses this trade. There is risk for each team, but I, I think overall this is a win for everybody. And I was shocked because in my head I'm like, the Bucks. If you pair Dame and, and Giannis, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't think they trade Drew Holiday. And boy, was I wrong. What about you? What are, what was your initial reaction? I, I mean, I was stunned. Yeah, it sounded like the sticking point in earlier exploratory conversations was Drew Holiday, that the Bucks were very much not intent on giving him up, that this was a, like, this was a big sign by the Bucks, like commitment to Giannis, as we were saying. Giannis kind of putting their foot to the fire. So... I mean, first up, I honestly immediately when it came out, I was like, this can't be true. Like, it, it almost seemed like one of those, like, fake reports where you're like, no, like, to the box, like, out of left field. Because honestly, last week, when I did hear it was heating up, I heard sleepers being, like, the Raptors. Yeah. I think, like, maybe even the Bulls. And, yeah. and you're like, okay, like, maybe there's some teams. Milwaukee was meant not mentioned at all. My initial reaction was just stunned. I think they are an absolute perfect fit. So, I mean, let's get into some grades. There's three-team trade, a lot of moving pieces. Why don't you just, just go through Bucks, Blazers, Suns? What kind of grades would you give each team in the trade? So let's look at the Bucks first. Let's see what they gave up. They got Damian Lillard, perennial all-star, top 75 player. 
they gave up a borderline all-star in Drew Holiday, a rotation player in Grayson Allen, an unprotected pick, which probably will be pretty good when they give up, and two pick swaps in 28 and 30. So, if I had to give the Bucks, honestly, in terms of what the Bucks gave up, this is a steal. This is a steal for the Bucks. I, I I'm gonna have given them an A minus because Damian Lillard's clearly a much better player than Drew Holiday, as much as we love Drew, and we'll talk about Drew here in a little while. But I'm gonna give them an A minus. Uh, I you know obviously they're mortgaging their future a little bit, but clearly they they're making a commitment to Giannis. Giannis, there should be no reason why Giannis shouldn't sign an extension at this point. So I they they went all in on this trade. They're not going to be able to trade anything now for a long time, anything significant anyway. So kudos to uh, John Horst of the front office there in Milwaukee. Uh, they they made a win now move, and uh, certainly uh, it will impact the East. And and I'll talk about that later. But I'm giving them an A minus. What about you? What do you think the Bucks get in this? Look, I'm giving them an A and a borderline A plus, and I know okay. that. You're giving up potential de- defensive player of the year last year. He was close. And mm-hmm. he, I noted he's a five of the last six years. He's been all NBA defense. Like uh-huh. three of those, first team, two, second team. But I'm giving him an A. I mean, I I, I don't know who said it first, but I always live by the NBA. The team who wins the trade is the team who gets the best player. And that's mm-hmm. just like been Bible in my life. Yeah. So the Bucks won this trade. They gave up a lot. They won this trade. You're right. They don't have a lot of assets to – move going forward but who cares you got dame under contract for four years you got Giannis a couple years this looks like a move to lock him up long term i'm gonna own a yeah that's fair all right so i guess the next team i got to do here is the blazers so let's see what the blazers gave up first they gave up dame lillard who asked to be traded they got rid of yukic nurkic who what does who's not on their timeline and who hadn't been the most healthy for them but quality player one healthy Gave up a young player in Keon Johnson, who, let's face it, had not been much of their rotation. And they gave up, who was the other player here? It was oh, Nazir Little, who was a promising rotation player for them. Yep. Uh, but yet again, he had injury problems as well. They got back Drew Holiday, who we suspect will not be there for very long. We So it's an in, incomplete grade for the, that alone will make the grade incomplete because we don't know what the grade will be, but they did get back a first-round pick, two pick swaps, and a former first overall pick that has all-star potential when used properly. So, with that in mind, it's an incomplete, but right now I'm going to give it B, B-. It could become an A depending on what they get for Drew Holiday. Yeah. So I think like you're you're making a great point that it is incomplete. But I think, man, like they're fit they lost Damian Lillard, huge loss, but it fits perfectly into what they're doing. They're going Oh yeah, no, Aiden they, Aiden's gonna thrive. He's gonna be the second or third option there. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think that Drew Holiday is gonna be the only player that they try to trade to. It's, it's a little sneak peek of what I'm thinking. I think that Anthony Simons could be on his way out too. Well, that's but yeah. So depending if he's not there or not, you get back Aiton, who the Suns were looking to move, which we'll touch on in a second. But apparently, Portland has been very high on him. They think he can fit well in the young core. They got he, he could. Shade, yeah, they got Shaden Sharp. They for the moment they have Simons. They had they drafted Scoot Henderson. 
Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going to happen with Jeremy Grant? But and it sounds like they're trying to get young pieces or draft capital back in the trade for Drew Holiday. They are just stocking up on young talent and future picks. And I think that for what they're doing, this is the right move. They made a great trade. They didn't do wrong by Dame. I know he wanted to go to Miami, but this is a great second. And uh, I, I would give him a B plus. I think that obviously, as I said before, losing the trade because you're uh, lo- losing the best player, but. It fits what they're trying to do. They needed to do a rebuild probably years ago, and this is the time. Yeah, look, and like, you know, you have a nice young core now. You're not done making moves. You mentioned Jeremy Grant. I mentioned uh, Simons, and, of course, we talked about Drew Holiday. All three of them could be on the move at some point during the season. Um, and then I guess last but not least is the Suns. Now, I, I'm, I'm sure you've been hearing it, too. The Suns were rumored to be a facilitator team here because they've yeah i think it's no secret that you know their relationship with deandre jordan it's even after you know monty williams well left was not the greatest and with him projected to be a fourth option there at best it, it just wasn't tenable for a young man that's trying to make his his mark on the nba and trying to be an impact player I think that, um, you know, most of the time you never want to trade a quarter for two uh, for I mean, trade a dollar for four quarters. But I think in this case, it was appropriate for what the Suns needed. They needed depth. They needed a quality starter, not a great starter, but somebody that can man the defense and, you know, play, play good enough on offense. Yerk, Yusuf Nurkic can do that. Now, he didn't really do it well last year. I'm not going to lie. That's a little bit concerning for me because if he can't defend like he struggled with last year, then this this is not going to end well for the Suns. But they did get two quality rotation. They got three and D and Nazir Lil. He's still developing the three, but he's solid enough. You get Grayson Allen, a little chippy, maybe not the best, you know, reputation, but he's an okay defender and can shoot threes. Johnson, he's too young to know at this point. But, I, you know, I, I think maybe you would have wanted a draft pick, but considering that you know everybody and their mom knew that Aiden did not want to be there I think you got solid value uh, maybe Nurkic turns around maybe with less offensive responsibility he can focus purely on defense and if he can do that then the Suns will be in good shape I, I yeah. with that in mind I'm going to give the Suns a solid B minus look I'll say yeah I think just at like face value, this is kind of a win-win-win for all teams, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Bla- it is. Blazers need a bad grade. No, Blazers need to get off Damian Lillard. Bucks got a huge superstar, but they gave up respectable amount of pieces. Blazers got young, and Suns got bench. The Suns need some bench team. Like that's their bench, like was almost non-existent when they first made the trade for Kevin Durant. It was like, how are you even going to fill out a team? Free they agency did, bunch. They did well in free agency. All yep. things considered. Yep. Absolutely. And I think the key here is you're talking about Yusuf Nurkic, like Frank Vogel loves back to the basket centers. Like that's his thing. Like he likes big back to the basket centers and Yusuf Nurkic is that. And yeah, he's, he doesn't have to be a featured piece, like a first or second or third option. And I think it's great. Like I think the Suns played a great role in facilitating. They didn't seem to have to give up too much beyond Aiden, which they seemed willing to give up. So I'm also going to give them a B plus here, and I think that they really solidified the bench around the stars that they have. So yeah, win 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 all up, They gave up a promising young rookie. I did some research on him uh, after the draft. He's he's solid, and uh, yeah, I mean, but you know, you can give up a rookie who's probably not going to get that much playing time anyway. So 
Yeah, well, now that this is obviously a Sixers podcast, but it does absolutely like kind of directly indirectly affect the Sixers, right? This is an app, mm-hmm. a complete power dynamic shift in the East. Literally one of the contributors on our site, actually the first response was, can I write how this affects the Sixers? And I was like, that's great. Like th- this is a dynamic shift in the East. So how do you think the Dame trade is going to impact not just the Sixers, but the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference? So uh, we'll talk about how it impacts the Sixers directly, but I think it clearly makes the Bucks look did they lose a little bit of depth? Sure. Did, but they still have solid enough depth that I feel comfortable saying that before the East was a little wide open because there was some uncertainty surrounding everybody. But and we, you know, I, I heard I heard them talking about this on ESPN a little bit, so I'm going to steal a little bit of this here. But now you have Dame and Giannis. You know, last season Joel and Harden were clearly the best pick and roll combo, but this season. I, I think it's fair to say that's probably going to be Dame and Giannis. And oh, yeah. Cheney was spitting yes. stats on NBA Today. Yes, she was. And so with that in mind, I, I think this makes the Bucks the clear favorite. I mean, like, Boston could come out of come out here and be, you know, better, cool. But right now, on paper, I take the Bucks in a seven-game series because they have a closer. They have a closer. They don't have to worry about, like, if Middleton's not quite himself, that's okay, because you have Dame. And, yeah, they, they there are questions defensively now with Dame in the lineup, but you still have two really good backline defenders in Brooke Lopez and Giannis that I think you can you can survive with Dame as, you know, a, a weak defender. So I, I think in that regard, this the, the Bucks are the favorite in the East, yeah, possibly I mean, well, the whole NBA. When you and I were talking about this before, like a week ago, when we were talking about preseason rankings, like we both had them high and we had them and the Celtics in a class of their own. I had the Bucks going to the finals pretty easily with before this trade. And yeah, they are the favorite. I mean, they're like plus 375, which is a crazy odds for the NBA championship already. Um, I think this is an extreme shift and health is obviously the most important thing in the NBA. As long as they're healthy, I honestly don't like I, I think they'll they'll beat the Nuggets. I know I said Nuggets would probably could potentially win, but Suns maybe could also win too, but I just think that they are the favorite, like you said, and and it does shift the East. The East is, you got to go through Milwaukee, it looks like. So, Mm -hmm. um, but another team in the East that did not land him, the Miami Heat. The losers. They're the losers. Definitely salty. The immediate uh, stuff that came out was a Jimmy Butler tweet where he made a jesting video. It wasn't a tweet. It was an Instagram story. Yeah, and the video was joking about, well, it seemed to be joking Was he joking? That's the question. We'll have to see. But he said that uh, the Bucs were, you need the NBA, you need to look into the Bucs for tampering for Damian Lillard. He said, you didn't hear from me. It didn't come from me. Clearly, that's the joking part of it. Um, He's probably just frustrated. Tyler Hero, like, retweeted it and was like, "I, I agree, or I heard this too, or something. So, yeah, I mean, was it a joke? What do you take from Jimmy's reaction? Look, Jimmy's obviously a little salty. Jimmy knows how to play the game social media-wise. He might even, like, make the NBA's ears perk up. But I don't think there was any tampering here. I, I, I don't see how this could be tampering. I think Jimmy's just being salty. Because if it was tampering, we would have heard, you know, like, rumblings yeah. from the Bucks. I agree. I think he's just being salty, obviously. But... It was a funny video, nonetheless, kind of 
fits Jimmy's personality. But yeah, you got to be salty. Dame said, I'm going nowhere, but there, they probably thought somehow, some way by started training camp, he'd be there and he's not. And he's in a team that they beat in the playoffs actually in the first round and, and likely will not again this year, but we will see. Mm-hmm, for sure. But let's go ahead and move on now to how this impacts the Sixers directly. So one of the biggest like cliffhangers from this trade is that Drew Holiday probably will not be a, a member of the Blazers for very long. Like I said, I gave them an incomplete grade because they haven't traded Drew Holiday yet. Drew Holiday's in his early 30s. The Blazers are a rebuilding team. There's no reason why he needs to be on there at the start of trading camp. So I suspect that he will probably be traded. And that being said, should this process be complete full circle and bring Drew back to Philly 10 years later? I mean, this is the article I put up immediately in the aftermath. This is the one I wrote that this needs to happen. I mean, here it's saying that who else might land him? I mean, honestly, I, I've it seems to me from what I've heard and read that Boston seems to be one of the front runners. They may have more to offer. Who knows? Um, but I think it's full circle. I remember going to games when Drew was first drafted. He has his own section in the 200 level. Like people loved him, and that trade for the draft rights, the pick for Nerlens Noel, was one of the worst trades. We we talk about that. So. This almost does bring it full circle. Drew was pre the process, sorry. He can be post the process too. As I said, Daryl Morey wasn't the one, that, the GM that traded him away, but he can be the one to bring him back home. And I think Drew fits perfectly. I mean, if you want to have a chance in the East, you got to be able to guard Dame. What better than one of, probably, I'd say that maybe the best perimeter defender in the game right now in Drew Holiday, that's your best option. It also can perfectly fit. We can all have a nice, perfect circle because he plays the same position as James Harden. So let's make a move, get James to the Clippers, and then we and you're, the Clippers... You're, you're getting ahead of yourself. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I read, I didn't even read that part of the agenda. But I'm, all I would say is, I don't know that the Sixers will, but he fits perfectly. He fills an area where there may be a void. He was here before, and he is great perimeter defender that we no longer have in some players that left, obviously, like Matisse and Ben, for their own reasons. But yes, I would love him to come here. But what are your thoughts? So when I first listened to the first report that I could on YouTube from ESPN, Ramona Shelburne said that the Sixers were one of the early favorites for Drew Holiday. And of course, it would be awesome to have him back. It would be the completion of the process. Uh, you mentioned trading James, and we'll talk about packages with James here in a minute. But like, you could trade James. You know, you could trade him to the Clippers or whoever or, you know, get get a 30. It might be Tobias. Who knows? But you get Drew here. He can take over the spot for James. He's the perfect complement for Joel and Maxie to be the third star because he's already done it in Milwaukee before. He can play off the ball. He can play make. He can defend. He can the floor space all at very high levels. He can play make for Maxi while Maxi's still learning the point guard position. He can take a back seat to scoring. He probably does not mind averaging 16 to 18 points per game. I don't think that's a big deal for Drew. <laughs> Scoring's not really his thing. And honestly, he's getting kind of older for it, right? Look, I think it would be the ideal fit and the ideal situation to get Drew back here. I think he'd be the best fit if Harden does leave. Because honestly, you know, in the back of my head, I was thinking for Milwaukee. I'm like, well, what if we could trade James to Milwaukee? It would never work because they're rivals right now. But 
they could benefit both teams, really. Both players are in the last year of their contracts. James gives uh, Milwaukee more dynamicism on offense. Sixers get better defensively, which they need on the perimeter. Seems like a win-win, but like I said, I knew that would never happen, but now it might. And besides the Sixers, I'll say who I think should be pursuing Drew Holiday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You have the Heat. You have the Celtics. Right? That's two teams. Absolutely. I think the Lakers would be interested. Yep. I think that that's that would they would be full. I mean, look, they have they could trade D'Angelo Russell and maybe a young player. I don't know who else, but like D'Lo. I mean that that trade would have to wait though. That's one of those things that they would have to wait until I think December twenty fifteenth, which I don't know if the Blazers want to do. And then you let's think about who else here. Who else could use Dude, Drew Holiday? I honestly think. Well, I think the Bulls. I know they're not really yeah, in contention, okay. but. But you and I talked about it. Like, they're kind of middling. They almost don't know what they're doing. And they were a good team when Lonzo was running the point. And maybe they just need a solid quarterback in there. Drew maybe. Holiday could provide that. So maybe. Yes. I mean, and and since they were kind of linked to Dame, mm-hmm. seemed loosely towards the end, maybe they are looking for that. So, yeah, I, I could see Chicago. I mean, I kind of want to say maybe the Pelicans, but they, they have C.J. Mc- they, they got C.J. I don't think they do that. But I, I he would be a good fit on the Pelicans. Here's a team that if they keep them until like the trade deadline, here's a team that I want you to think about if they get off to a hot start. Okay. The San Antonio Spurs. Nah. Yeah, maybe. I guess. I, I think they're just really committed to not mm-hmm. having too much veteran. But you're right. If they get off to a hot start, who knows? Yeah. And I mean, I think Toronto is going to call because they need an actual point guard, not Dennis Schroeder. Um, so, you know, those, those are options there. But we talked about James. Let's go ahead and tease about James. Will this trade help the market for James get bigger? Honestly, I mean, oh, yeah, and which teams would call? Yeah, so first off, I think the market does get bigger. Not because Harden's necessarily getting any more talented or that Philly's getting more anxious to move on, but because you take a huge piece off the table. I mean, Dame was the big get. Without Dame, people are obviously thinking, like, what's next? It's probably Harden, even though he's not, like, Obviously not as prized. He wasn't the first one. I still think with this contract, with him rolling off after a year and him wanting a long-term contract, I think his his trade opportunity, the teams that may want him, the trade market, is small still relatively, but I'd say it may have slightly grown. But as I was mentioning before, I mean, I think this brings back to L.A. They should call back and say, like, hey, can we kickstart the conversations again? Like, you don't have to give up Tyrese to get port- to Portland to try and get Dame, like, Let's see if we can just make this hard and move. You guys can get Drew and we'll compensate Portland between the two of us, however it works. I, yeah. I think that that can also be another win-win-win situation. So the market mm-hmm. should grow, but I don't know how many teams are are looking. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that would be the ideal situation. Him go to L.A. We get uh, they L.A. sends assets to Portland and then we get Drew. I think that would be the most I, I logical thing to happen. I don't know if it will. LA- L.A. doesn't really – I mean, maybe players, but L.A. does not have picks. They gave them all to the Thunder. 
I I mean, like they still have they actually have picks again, believe it or not. They they do. They're later picks, but they're picks. Um and I don't think I don't think the Portland Trailblazers want later picks like that. Here are some teams that I think should call for James Harden. Now that we know that they're looking for point guards. You have the Miami Heat. Backcourt of Tyler Hero and Tyrese Maxey. I'm down for it. Yeah. You have the Chicago Bulls. Swap James Harden for Zach Levine? Sure. I'll do that. Hey, they're not going to do that. We'd have to no, they're that. not going to do that, but I think it should be on the table. Okay. Now, here's the one that I think could be tricky to do, but I think they should be interested because if they're interested in James Harden, then the then the Toronto Raptors should. I mean, if they're interested in Dame Lillard, then the Toronto Raptors should be interested in James Harden. It's interesting. I mean, it sounded I mean, like the philosophy. Could, hear, hear, hear me out here. You do a three-team trade, trade Ananobi and whatever salary filler you need to to. Toronto uh, to Portland. Portland sends Drew to Philly. James goes to Toronto. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. And I think that the proof is that like people were kind of wondering like Dame def like he didn't he wanted to go to Miami. It seems he's okay with Milwaukee. He did not want to go to Toronto, but they didn't care. It seemed like they were almost going to repeat the Kawhi situation and be like, who cares, man? Like we're going to take you for a year, and if you're really unhappy, we'll trade you after a year. Let's try and get it, steal another title. So, yeah, if that is their philosophy, then, like, if they think they got enough talent with Pascal and, and OG, then maybe you bring on Harden for the last year and, and get a rental. It, it yeah. kind of aligns with what they like what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's totally an option. Uh, besides those teams, I don't think L.A. has quite the, the salary to make a James Harden trade, but the, the, the Lakers might be an option. I don't know exactly. I don't think we do D'Lo, though. I think Daryl Morey stays far away from that. But there are options here. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Hold yeah. up. How much does Mike Conley make? Mike Conley? You think that could be the trade? For, I mean, not for the Sixers, but, like, if I'm the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's making $23 mil a year, uh, and he's in the last year of his contract. All right, let's see here. If you can, how much does Drew make a year? Let's see here. I'm pulling that up now. Drew Drew signed a pretty big contract um, with the with the Bucks because they really wanted to keep him. Yeah, they did, and they did for a long time. So let's see here. He is oh four for one thirty four, and he's got a player is, option next year. That is, uh, he his it's a uh, thirty six uh, almost thirty seven mil next year. I mean this season. Do the Timberwolves even have the salaries to match? Get close to that? I don't know if the Timberwolves want them. I mean, I don't know if they want. I don't know if they want to run Ant Edwards at point. Nah, he's not a point guard. He's like D Wade. Yeah, but he can kind of play like the. Yeah, you might be right. I I I would like to think that I am most times. Um, let's see here, Timberwolves. Let's see their salary cap here. Do they have the space for him? Let's see here. Conley, 24. They need to add one more here. If they added Nas Reed, who they just signed this offseason, then technically, yeah, they could get there. But I think they like Nas Reed too much. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably soon play out, right? I mean, game's off the market. Harden's the next one up, probably. So we're going to see. Drew's Um, the next one up. Drew is the next one up. You're right. You're right. right. Yeah. Then Harden will be the consolation prize. 
Look, I I think Drew, I would love Drew to come back to Philly, but if I had to be a betting man, if I was betting the Sixers or the field, I'm probably betting the field on that one Um, in all reality. I think it would be great. I would love to have Drew back, but I think there are other teams that can outbid us. Yeah, I support you there. That is, uh, man, it was it was big time news today, though. But um, we'll just switch gears before we end the podcast. So uh, there would recently kind of been some articles. I, I put one up about worst uh, starters of the Allen Iverson era. That seemed to be a good one that was getting out there. So next up on the list, when we're thinking Philly, was worst starters of the Joel Embiid era. So I published that four days ago. They're actually – Obviously, we are in the midst of the Embiid era, so uh, let's. there still could be worse. But I have eight worst starters here. I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, and the, it's not really in any particular order, but we're just going to jump in. So the criteria so are is you doing with, are you doing fit, skill, or both? It's more so skill. Like, okay. I, I think there's fit plays into the consideration, but it was more so just skill. Like, the gist of it was the majority of these players should not have been starters in the NBA. Okay. I will say the first one that I wrote about was Ben Simmons. I think that's going to maybe turn people off to the article. I just wanted to put that out there because, yes, we know skill-wise he was not bad. A lot of the bad starters that played with Embiid during his era were the 2015, 2016, 2016, 2017 times. Ben's worst year came in his last year before he held out. Uh, he, he was having career lows and just was not – the kind of player that we needed. And he's a, he's not a shooting point guard. So I did include him on this list. So we'll start there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a worse starter. I think, I think it's more of a fit than a skill thing. That's fair. I think you're probably right. That's why that fit in, but we'll go to number two, the drafted the year after same position as Joel Embiid. We got Jaleel Okafor. Does this really count? Are we doing players? Cause like if we're doing players that weren't, like, are we doing, like, when he wasn't playing? No, so he played for a year with Embiid. Like, yeah, but Embiid he wasn't was a out- starter. But he wasn't a starter when Embiid was a starter. Yes, he was. He started, I believe, 34 games in the 2016-2017 season. With Embiid? Because Embiid I, only played 30 games, good sir. I believe so. No, this was No, this was Embiid's first full year, I believe. No, 16-17, he only played 30 games. Okay. I think they were – I thought they were starting together at points. Uh, I mean, maybe you're right. I, we could – you know what? I'm not going to deep dive this. Okay. But let's – I mean, look, if we're going when players weren't – I mean, if we're including process, that could be a lot worse. Let's go to number three. Well, it is – yeah, they had to have started 20 games. So there were a ton of people who did start a few games. But number three, Gerald Henderson. So huge Ooh. star coming out of Duke. Uh, had a good NBA career, but the thing is, by the time he was in Philly, he was not a starter, and it was actually his last year in the league. So Henderson's dad actually played for the Sixers. I don't know if you knew that. Did he did? Yep. Yeah. Um, look, I was a fan of the move before. You know, he played a minute. Clearly, Henderson was washed at that point. It wasn't a good move. Uh, I I don't think this is a bad take. I I, I could agree with that one. Yeah, I said in the piece he was a starter for, I think, 40 or something games in the same year that we waived him. So, yeah, that should say enough. The next one, 
this might be another if you went up there with Ben Simmons, but I put Wilson Chandler. Again, no, I think you're was... absolutely right about this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wilson was awful. Look, Wilson was washed by the time. I think he only played one other season. Uh, injuries really took away from his skill. He was a good, he was like part of that core deal for Carmelo Anthony that brought him from the Knicks to the, to the Nuggets. I, that's what I, I said he was most well known for getting traded for Carmelo Anthony. Look, he was a good two-way player for a long time, you know, 15, six and three. I think if, if I had to guess what his career stats were, it's probably something around that or when he was at his best. Was somewhere around that. He he was a solid player, but when he came to Philly, they played him at power forward, which he was never a power forward. He was a small forward. Dino Gallinari played power forward for the Nuggets during that time. And uh, yeah, no, it was not a good fit. We ended up trading him for Tobias Harris. We did. Yeah. All right. So number five out of eight, we got Sergio Rodriguez. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Do you remember him? I do remember him, but I feel like you're giving Sergio a little hate. Look, Sergio was a good floor general. Could he could he score that much? No. But All right, hold on. You want to see why why this is confusing? He played mm-hmm. five years in the NBA. Yes. Four of those years were 2010 to 2013. I remember Then that. he went back overseas for three to four years. Sixers mm-hmm. signed him in 2016 to 17, and then he went back overseas. So he literally was out of the league for three years. We only bring him back for one year, and then he goes back to Europe. I mean, he was not meant to be in – like, yes, he had some good games, good floor general. He was not an NBA starter. No, no, no. He was not an NBA starter. No, for sure. But I, I, I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of hate there. But also, you, do you notice what year he played for the Sixers, 16-17? Who, who was the president of basketball operations then? Tell me who that was. Was that? Was that? Uh, it was Colangelo. Was that okay? Yeah, Colangelo loved himself European players. He could not stop getting enough of them. This was well, just another. That's a example. perfect segue because the oh, next God. guy didn't hit my criteria of twenty games. Nineteen he started in the sixteen seventeen. Timothy Luawu Cabarro. Okay, look, T TLC. I don't know what made what why he couldn't be a consistently good nba player because <laughs> he man. had all the tools i just uh, i don't know i don't want to he, he probably blast. should be on this list but gosh i just feel bad okay i don't want to put him on blast but maybe he wasn't a good starter because he was out at sips too much i saw him at center city sips two or three times just what, saying what, what are you doing out there I was. This was 2016, man. I was fresh out of college, so. Oh, uh, okay. So you're what, using the fresh out of college excuse. Okay. Okay. No, I get I it. I don't okay. know what he was doing. No, I'm not in his business. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, all right. The next one. This is tough. Very tough to do, but it's T.J. McConnell. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, Shut your on. mouth. I will not allow T.J. McConnell, McConnell slander on this podcast. I am the veteran here. I I discont. Take it off your uh, your thing. No, Look, we can't. He, sl- it's not slander. It is slander. You said war starters. He is not an NBA starter. He's not. But here's the thing. I'm sure there were worse ones than TJ. TJ won us a playoff game against the Celtics. That alone gets him off this list as a starter. <laughs> he started. He won us a game. It Bro, gets him he off started the list. The entire season at point guard. He was our starting point guard. T.J. McConnell, undrafted, 
He's a great player. He made a great career of himself. He made $45 million at the Pacers. Do you know what he does at the Pacers? Not start. And I okay. love TJ McConnell. I don't want to be here talking bad on him, but he should be on this list, absolutely. No, I disagree. He won us a playoff game against the, the, the uh, Celtics the next year. That alone gets him off the list. Okay. I have spoken. All right. Okay. Uh, that's fine. I, I don't know if you've seen the last one. Have you before? <laughs> uh, yeah, Big Ten, I'm just going to say Big Ten Player of the Year. Put him out. Sauce Castillo. Sauce Castillo. I, I love Nick Stauskas. I do. And I really wish he would have worked out in the NBA. But it just wasn't there for you, Nick. Dude, I, think I don't think I've ever been as hyped as when they showed him hit, and I put this in the article, he hit like 74 out of 77 three-pointers in his backyard. Yeah, backyard shooting by himself. He should be able to, but that's, his shooting stroke was clean. It was pure. Man, he just couldn't take it to the next level. It's just, it's just that there are some guys that he did not have the NBA athleticism or quickness to handle the pressure of being a shooter in the NBA. And here's the thing in college, he wasn't just a shooter. He did everything else. And he was a he beast at Michigan. Yeah. And he can't, he couldn't do anything else. Cause he didn't lack the quickness or athleticism or the IQ. Really? He just had a really good shot, but he needed to be, he was a rhythm shooter. That's the thing you got to look, look at with some of these college guys that were really good scores. If they were rhythm shooters and they didn't have high athleticisms, the likelihood of them being able, like Steph Curry's like the rare exception, but like most of these college guys that were like big time scorers that couldn't shoot outside of a rhythm, like they couldn't do catch and shoots, then it's pretty hard for them to be in the NBA. And that's Nick good Steph analysis. I That's like good scouting that. analysis. You might look, need to get signed to the Sixers. Look, look, I am always available. Hit me up on Twitter, Sixers front office. I feel like I could do some work for y'all. Do you know what pick Nick Stauskas was in the NBA draft? He was the eighth pick. Eighth pick by the Kings, man. He yep. was coming in hot. I remember. And he most recently, excited. he most recently got tons of airtime for some reason. Not tons, but like way more than I thought on the bench for the Celtics in the postseason. Yes, he did. And I will say this about Nick. Um, you know, do you remember what we traded for Nick? Uh, what we traded? Yeah. For the to Kings. Get Nick. Was it Rashawn? No. Who was it? Was it? Two uh, second round centers that never played a minute in the NBA. Oh, and like Cash. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's a shame that he kind of fell out. I mean, maybe he'll get another fifteenth spot I, on the yeah, roster this year. I, I, man, I don't, look, he probably make more money playing in Europe at this point. Well, look, I know closing up, but wrapping up the podcast full circle, I got a question for you. Yeah, we got we're all talking about Dame Willard all day. That's like the main topic of the of life right now for NBA basketball. If you have, if you're down two or down three, let's say. With 10 seconds left, are you wanting the ball with Dame or Steph Curry? Oh, gosh. It's going to be Dame. That's what Dame, I thought. Dame, Dame is more – look, look. The better overall point guard is Steph Curry. Don't get it twisted. Facts. He, he is the better point guard. But who has had more clutch shots? It's Dame. 
Now, you can look at that two ways. One, Dame's a better clutch player. Or two, Steph Curry and his teams are usually so good that they're not in clutch situations. Dude, I agree with you. I was having this conversation earlier, and I was just like, man, like, Steph is a beast, but that Dame has literal ice in his veins. So, you know, I was having a conversation a while, uh, you know, last weekend with somebody, and I said this, that you could make an argument, a real argument, that Damian Lillard is the second best shooting point guard of all time. Behind Steph? Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell I me a better sh- can... shooting point guard. I don't think there is one. And Dame's range rivals Steph. It's just and like he's that. Clutch. You got potentially the best player on planet Earth in Giannis. I mean, he's top two, top three, undoubtedly. And you have the second best shooting point guard, maybe of all time. This is going to yeah. be a historic team if they're healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, man. Well, we'll, we'll see. Yep, go ahead. We're going to wrap up. Uh, yeah, wrap up a busy day in the NBA. Man, this honestly, this news just got me so excited for the season. Like, Absolutely. I cannot wait. Um, I, could wait first... I, I could wait to play the, the, the Boston, I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks just a little bit. That's perfect, right? We open up at Milwaukee. Can't, that's going to be an incredible game. Yeah. And if you're looking for Sixers tickets when Bucks come to town, they're skyrocketing today. So just wanted to give you that information. But Thank you for everyone to listen listen to the Sixer Sons podcast. We always appreciate all of our listeners. Um, continue to follow us and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Please check out the site. Lots of articles are going up as we're approaching the season. There's a lot of information about the Damian Lillard trade, how it affects the East, and obviously we're going to see what happens with Drew Holiday and Harden. So we're going to have tons of news up on the website. Please continue to read. And until next time, go Sixers.